The Bomb Blast What are you doing with your Saturday off tomorrow, Susan asked Kay. You know, I still haven't spent any time sightseeing. I'd like to see High Park and, of course, the changing of the guards at Buckingham Palace. The weather is so nice at the moment. I'll just wander around and see where I'll end up, said Kay. The following morning, Kay headed out on her little adventure to discover some of London. I've been living here nearly three years and I haven't had time just to wander. I loved going up to Manchester and spending my last leave with Rachel. It's lovely having her also in England. I wish I could get to Ireland more than once a year, thought Kay. The park was beautiful, with its big lake, people hiring little boats sailing around the lake and enjoying the sun. Hello, said a voice from nowhere. You look like you would like to be out there. Yes, said Kay, still in her daydream. I'm Paul. I would love to treat you. Oh, no, thank you. I have somewhere I need to be, answered Kay. Make a poor soldier's day. It's, it'll only take about a half an hour. Believe me, I know how precious leave is, and I have plans for mine. There are a lot of civilian girls over there. I'm sure you will find a taker, said Kay as she walked away, heading out of the park. He was a good he was good looking in an English sort of way, thought Kay, as she headed through the gates of the park, heading now towards the nearest tube station. I wish we had a tube in Dublin, she thought. She had read that London was the first place to have an underground railway. In no time she was walking up a very wide avenue. She had seen the palace in the distance and was loving the walk in the sun. Oh, blast! I've missed the changing of the guard. She was disappointed until she noticed they were ordinary soldiers, no sign of a beef eater anywhere. Suddenly there was a loud rumbling sound. Kay sees a really bright light coming towards her. She is flying backwards through the air. Kay feels very cold and wet. The smell is terrible. Why can't I move, she thinks. She opens her eyes, trying to look around. She is looking down into a wet, mucky puddle. I don't recognise this place. The noise alerts her to a sense of danger. Trying hard, she manages to get herself moving. She starts doing an army crawl as a bullet flies past her head. Good God, I'm on a battlefield. She crawls forward as fast as she can. Why do I feel so heavy? In the direction of a tree. Two other soldiers crawled towards her, pulling her forward to the safety of the tree. Peter, we thought you were a goner. The soldier leaned her up against the tree trunk. My God, this is not my body. Sean, you go on and help. Get help. Peter is too weak to manage. We'll never make it over the mound, said Brendan. No, said Peter. I'll manage. Out there, I suddenly felt something within me. A stranger in me is a strength in me as if someone, someone was lifting me.
I still feel it. We will make it. And they did by the skin of their teeth. Kay's mind is trying to understand, make sense of what is happening to her. Have I died and become the voice or the inner strength inside somebody else's body? Someone else's head, heart, mind, their voice of reason? like I myself have taken comfort in when at my lowest. Kay took a deep breath and accepted her new role. I have always wondered what happened when you die. The long life question answered, she thought. Now for the first time, she took a real look at the soldier, blending in with his thoughts and his feelings. All panic now left her. She starts to soothe his pain and calm his racing mind. He begins to pray out loud. Two medics come running down the muddy trench, covered in muck from head to toe, slipping and sliding as they try to get Peter as fast as they can onto the stretcher. You all right, Peter. You look very peaceful. Stay with us, said John. I have never felt better, said Peter. Sean looked down at this blood-soaked uniform and starts to pray out loud. The medics now, with Peter on the stretcher, head back the way they came. Peter is now in a field hospital lying on a bed. He knows in his heart that something is helping him, whatever it is. He will be grateful to it for the rest of his life. His thoughts turn to his wonderful wife, Lizzie, and their two daughters. Even though he has spent little time with them, he loves them with all his heart. He has a soft spot for his little ball of butter, Snowball. Kay, in amazement, realises that she is connected with her own father. He has never, she had never gotten to know him well, just stories told by her mother. It's going to take me a while to take this in, thought Kay. She starts to focus on his body wound. He had been so lucky. The bullet had gone right through before he fell. The wet muck had become a friend. The bullet had hit no organ. His wound had been cleaned out. They only had lavender oil, which the nurses had brewed up themselves, Kay thought. You don't know it, but that's the very best thing you could be using. A nurse came over, hoping he had not started running a fever. His brow was nice and cool. You seem to be one of the lucky ones, she said. Peter answered, I know I am, thank God. You get as much rest as you can. I don't think there will be any need to send you anywhere else. If you keep up this good healing, said the nurse. A smile on her tired, pretty face. That evening, the army chaplain came in to see him. I'm the army chaplain. How are you doing? I feel blessed. Something or someone carried me and is still is through this trauma. It's not often I hear an answer like that, said the chaplain. Kay became quiet and listened to the sound of her father's heart beating. This is so comforting, like a feeling of home. He is out of danger for a while. In a couple of weeks, he will be back out there in the front, in the wet and muck again. 
Two weeks later and Peter is up and walking around. He's in no hurry to get back to the front. A living hell, he thinks. Almost wishes that this he had been injured more seriously. But that would be flying in the face of God, he says out loud to himself. He sits down at a small wooden table and starts to write a letter. My darling Lizzie, all is good here. I have mended very well and have a very nice break from the front. The letter is full of warmth. Kay marvels at how he shields her mother from the reality of his day-to-day life. Getting to know her father this way is a wonderful gift. Suddenly Kay thinks of her mother, sisters and friends back home, of the sadness they must be feeling. They must have received a telegram. Lizzie, I have to tell you of the wondrous thing that happened to me. I know it was your prayers. I was running when a bullet went right through me. I fell in the wet muck. I couldn't move myself when suddenly I felt a burst of energy move me forward and I started to crawl to the safety of a tree. Sean and Brendan crawled out to meet me, pulling me to safety. This energy is still within me. I know it's what you would call a guardian angel. I'll be coming home a new man, up first on Sunday instead of you having to drag me out of the bed every week. Your loving husband, Peter. Kay gets to lend a hand. Okay, men, whispered Sergeant Gilbert. There are four trenches between us and no man's land. The object is to take out that big gun that's milling down our men by the dozen. We will wait for dusk to make our first move. Get what rest you can. Dusk arrived. Who's going over first? We will move forward in three at a time, using a low crawl, said the captain. Brendan, Sean and Peter put their fingers up in the air. The captain nodded. The last took a deep breath. Brendan first. They made it to the first trench without incident. They paused to get their breath before heading on. Now in the last trench, the others started following. They had some cover, at least now. Brendan, Sean and Peter were aiming their rifles. All was quiet. The others now would have some cover. Were heading through the trenches three at a time. Brendan and Peter started to walk the length of the trench to find a place to settle in for a few hours. It was completely dark, very cold. The sky was full of stars, beautiful to look at, but no help tonight. Sean started to settle down. Not there, said Peter. Why, said Brendan. The little voice inside me head, said Peter. I'd listen to that little voice any day, said Sean. They moved on. Around a narrow bend, Peter said, here. They both looked at him in surprise. The Germans built this. They know where all the comfortable spots are. Where do you think they have the guns pointed, said Peter. This is so uncomfortable, said Brendan. You have a spade, haven't you, said Sean. I'll go back and warn the others to do as we're doing, said Peter. Peter tells Captain Gilbert about the voice he has heard in his head since he took his bullet. The captain feels sorry for him. No, really, 
it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Listen, there are some, there is some natural cover and rocks out there. We must not head for them. The Germans know that's where every soldier is most likely to head. The guns are already trained on them. Also, they built this place. They know the most comfortable places to rest. The soldiers need to move out of them and dig their own comfort. Whatever, wherever you got this information from, it makes sense, said Captain Gilbert. He gave the order quietly. The order was passed on for all to move and start digging very quietly. In their new space, they were nicely settled as the first dawn light touched the sky. Peter crept out first to find the hollow in the field that the voice had told him about. He found it and signalled for Brendan and Sean to follow. As the light brightened, they were in a much better position than the Germans imagined. The Germans started shouting, shooting at the rock cover and the trench, as Peter had said. In a moment, the Irish had taken the big gun. There were some losses, but nothing like there would have been if they had not moved. Later that day, Captain Gilbert sought the three lads out. That was an inspiring approach today. So many lives have been spared. Along with your service medals, I'll rec be recommending the three of you for the bravery medal also. We are being relieved in a couple of hours, hopefully. We're heading back to base. The three of you will be heading home on long leave. Home for the best part of three weeks. Marvellous, thought Peter. The arrival of Pat. I can, can I change the outcome of things, thought Kay. In two months, the war was over. The Germans were defeated November 11th, 1918. They would be home for Christmas. Peter was packing his kit up for the last time. He was heading to London to receive his discharge papers and medal. Then they would be heading home to Ireland soon. Though some had chosen to stay in the army or to live in England, Peter couldn't wait to get home. Four weeks later, Peter fell from a tree. Kay feels as if she's falling backwards. Brightness seems to be dulling. She hears what sounds like a babble of geese on a farm in the distance. The hospital, 1942. It was over six months since Kay had gotten caught up in the bomb blast. She is lying in a hospital bed, still unconscious. People are praying out loud. Oh, sacred heart of Jesus, did you see that? shouted Rachel. Her head moved. They all stared. Kay lay without any sign of movement. Susan ran out of the room to fetch the nurse, her heart pounding. She has moved, she's moved. The nurse and Susan ran back into the room together, Kay still lying without moving a muscle. Oh, it happens sometimes there's an involuntary movement. 
I'm sorry, said the nurse. No, it's not that. It's as if she'd been lying there empty for months and she's arrived back, said Rachel. A quietness came over the room, but nothing happened. Kay felt as if she was drifting in a deep ocean, held in place by a strong current, current swirling around her, just bobbing held in place. She was going nowhere and getting very tired. She knew she had to swim to the surface to follow the sound. She had to keep trying. There you are, Susan, you're late tonight, said the nurse. Oh, we've had a busy shift, said Susan. You really need to get your own rest. Here's a blanket, at least you'll be warm. I'd rather be here than there. In that basement in work. God, it's been quiet for the last few couple of weeks. Do you think they've run out of bombs and planes? With any luck. You're such a good friend, said the nurse. Kay would do the same for me. We've been through thick and thin together over the past three years. Any change today, said Susan. I thought I saw movement under her eyelids earlier. But I really don't know, said the nurse. Ah. At that, they both jumped at a sudden sound in the room. The sound of a deep breath. <gasps> That's either very, very bad, said the nurse. Or very good. The nurse lifted Kay's wrist to take a pulse. She smiled at Susan. She's much stronger. She's fighting to get back to us, said the nurse. Nurse Moore was an Irish nurse from Mayo. She kept a special interest in Kay's case. I'll see if I can go drum up a cup of tea and a biscuit for you. The nurse left the room. Susan sat and took hold of her best friend's hand. You'll never guess where I was on Saturday night. Go on, give us a guess. Okay, I'll tell you. I was dancing in this new place. You're going to love it. It's full of Yankee soldiers. Kay, they're so good looking and so smart. Their uniforms are so sexy. And well finished, not like our rough, scratchy ones. Wait until you see their sailors. The girls are drooling over them. But it's not the same fun without you. For God's sake, wake up. At that, Kay's eyes opened for a moment. Susan froze. They looked at each other in silence for a moment. Susan was not sure Kay knew who she was. Hi, Kay, it's Susan. Do you know who I am? Kay's face was suddenly animated, full of life. Susan started to cry as she saw the tears start to roll down Kay's cheeks. Trust you to wake up when I start telling you about the sexy sailors, said Susan. The nurse arrived in to check Kay's vitals and became so excited when she saw Kay and Susan holding hands. Why didn't you ring the bell, she said. Sorry, I was afraid if I moved she would disappear again, said Susan. The nurse went to get the doctor. Hello, Kay. We've been waiting a long time to meet you, said Dr Murphy. As it happened, he was also from Dublin. 
Susan, and I will take ask you to leave. We need to start some tests. Don't worry, said Susan to Kay. I'll be back as soon as I can. Susan headed to the nurse's station. Kay's sister Rachel works in the Royal Infirmary in Manchester. Any chance you could give her a call and tell her the good news? I can do better than that. I'll put the call through for you and you can give the news to her yourself. It took a while for Rachel to go to get to the phone. Oh my God, has something happened? Rachel was almost crying on the phone. Only the best news ever. Squeals of the light came down the line. When, 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 asked Rachel. They were both crying freely now. Just now. She knows me. The doctor is in with her now doing tests. I can feel that she is mentally all there. I just, I'm, I was just telling her about the sexy sailors and she just opened her eyes. She'll not live that one down, gasped Susan. I'll get there as soon as I can. My friend Lena said she would get the girls organised to cover my shifts, even when anything happened. They'll be so happy that it's happy news.